Hello all, welcome to Inexplicable Shorts, my name is Brandon Nutstrom, and today we have Inside the Short, a new monthly series that takes a closer look at our stories that you've come to know and love. For this edition, we'll be doing a deep dive into Lucy, undoubtedly the nearest and dearest to my heart. It came about during a very pivotal time where I was deciding between pursuing nuclear medicine or writing. Truthfully, there was passion in the former. For those that don't know, I'm a housekeeper at a community college. Sexy, I know. Have worked at a few different campuses. One of them had the program in-house. There were times when I'd, during my routine, stop in the classroom, take out some of the scans, and slip them up into the light board on the wall, pretending like I had any idea what I was looking at. But I very much wanted to learn. My last elective before diving into thousands of hours of clinic duty for very little money and learning the human body top to bottom there were two choices, can't remember the other, but of course creative writing jumped right off the page. Suddenly a passion that had long been buried lying dormant found new life. Still, I initially saw it only as means to an end. I thought, well, at least I'll actually get to enjoy a class before shit gets crazy. It wasn't until we'd been tasked with penning our first short story that things began to change. Lucy, I'd say, fell right out of the sky. Didn't take me long to come up with the premise, characters, any of it, really. I've always had an affinity for Asian culture. Don't ask, couldn't tell you why, but I find it fascinating. So right off the bat, I knew exactly who and what these characters were going to be. Centering it around a little girl was also a no-brainer. I'd love to have my own daughter someday. Moreover, I feel male protagonists are far less interesting only because they've been done to death. A strong female lead, like a Jessica Jones for instance, by the way, absolutely love that series, Kristen Ritter fucking killed it, the world needs to explore more of that space. Heart of Gold, which just may be the next installment of Inside the Short, spoilers ahead, circles around Jess, a hit woman, one who tries to keep her dark lifestyle a secret from her girlfriend Grace. Another favorite of mine. And that was partly inspired by a side quest in Skyrim. The Dark Brotherhood, specifically Astrid, kidnaps you in your sleep upon killing a nasty old woman, Grelid, who, some would argue, deserved it. She tortured and abused orphans. Come on. Slowly, you begin to wake, and the assassin, sat atop a bookcase, casually swings her leg, patiently waiting for you to regain consciousness. She then explains your now dire situation, ordering another murder, this time of an innocent hostage, for acceptance into the guild. Astrid's sly demeanor and cool confidence stuck with me even after all these years. Yet another strong, intriguing female character. Grand Theft Auto 6, sticking with video games a moment, will feature in a first for the series a woman as the playable lead. They're certainly not going to be hailed as trailblazers, not with the likes of, you know, Tomb Raider having been around for decades. But it just goes to show how behind we really are. A lot of untapped potential, as I mentioned. So deciding on characters for Lucy was a no-brainer. It is told from the perspective of her father, however. I wanted to capture the essence of that relationship through his eyes, particularly as it fades away. The story opens with the pair amid a beautiful, picturesque meadow. Lucy inquires what a dandelion does, vaguely recalling the tradition of making a wish upon blowing out the wisps, labeling them as magical. However, rather than do it right then and there, she proclaims that exploring takes precedence and places the wheat in her pocket. They continue through a field of flowers, with the sun shining directly overhead, complemented by a gentle breeze. 
birds sang from the surrounding trees. He notes it was like living in a postcard. Throughout the story, I'm slowly threading the idea that this truly is a paradise. Perhaps one too good to be true. As I was piecing this oasis together, all I could think of was the Shore Leave episode of Star Trek. Definitely in my top five. What a nerd, I know. Lucy then asks if her mother could come along sometime. Without giving him much thought or addressing why she isn't there presently, he simply says, I don't see why not. He then reflects on his daughter's life thus far. How proud he is to be a father, how fleeting childhood can be. This would then set the stage for establishing Lucy's character while further shrouding ourselves in this almost storybook setting. These facets worked practically hand in hand, as like most kids, her attention span is fairly limited. They're constantly moving from one activity to another. At first, it's observing a colorful school of fish, made up of breeds that would never reside in the same waters, further cementing the idea that none of this is real. Lucy, cutely, asks if she can go pet them. Her father then explains how that isn't a great idea, and that they need to stay in the water to breathe, offering up instead the idea of simply watching them. To counter this, she asks, can't they hold their nose when they come up to the air like I do when I swim? Kids often think outside of the box, attacking things from angles that you'd never even consider, something I of course wanted to factor in. That's why Dad is unable to respond. He's not sure if fishes even have noses. How many people know or even consider something like that? Not me. I'm still unsure. A particularly powerful fish then catches their eye. Neither know what kind it is. Lucy decides to name it a Z-fish, again referencing her absent mother, stating they're both pretty. With no rest for the weary, she runs over to climb a tree, beckoning her already exhausted dad to watch. We then get a montage of different things they do together, howling like monkeys, being silly, frightening the birds, playing tag and hide and seek, having a wonderful day of bonding, laughing. But as the day winds down, sun begins to set, they eventually settle atop a cedar, looking out over what is essentially Nirvana. Lucy turns and says, I'm ready now. To go home? You must be exhausted, he asks. More foreshadowing. The second you start to think about the story thus far, the veil begins to fade. Where was this exactly? Did they ever stop and eat? Was anyone else around? While these questions could easily be ignored, labeled as unnecessary to the plot, I mean, nobody ever poops in movies, except for Harry and Dumb and Dumber. Classic. It was my hope that these hints would be obvious enough to be considered relevant, in contrast to the Disney-esque setting, while remaining subtle enough as to not give away the ending. Lucy explains that she isn't tired, rather she's ready to make her wish, pulling the dandelion from her pocket, seemingly untouched. Final hint. With the wisps soon in the air, wish made, Dad, who I purposefully didn't name as, despite, again, the story being told from his point of view, he's largely a vehicle for you to slip into. Lucy and Z are most important. He asks her what it is she wished for before playfully reneging, recalling the notion that if it's revealed, it won't come true. Lucy, remaining stoic and without hesitation, states she wished that he would wake up, that mommy needs him. Tell her to come. Tell her everything's okay, finishing it off with, I love you, daddy, before turning and hugging him. The scene then transitions into that of his bedroom. Reality hits hard, tears start to fall. He reaches over to Z, only she's not there. He heads down the hall to investigate, sees that the faucet in the bathroom is running, toothbrushes out, 
but she's yet missing. Finally, he turns off the water, giving way to the sound of sobbing coming from Lucy's old room, where it is revealed their daughter had since passed. Z is sitting in the middle of the floor, crying uncontrollably, clutching Mr. Fluffy, what used to be her favorite stuffed bear, unable to accept the tragedy. Dad rushes over to comfort her, suggesting that he knows it's hard, but to keep in mind that she's happy now. Further adding, I have a feeling, wherever she is, it's beautiful. She'd love for you to see it. Referencing not only the obvious, but also his dream. It's a crushing blow, one that makes me tear up every time. This is, without a doubt, forever my favorite short for a multitude of reasons, most of which I've mentioned. It cemented the path I'm currently on, foregoing a career in favor of pursuing my passion. The response from my instructor at the time got a hundred in that class, by the way, humble brag. The reaction from family, friends, even strangers was overwhelming. Everything I love is in this story. A range of emotions that hopefully transcend the page. It reminded me how writing, creating something out of nothing, something people can identify with and perhaps even feel inspired by, just how special it really is, both in general and to me personally. That's a high I'll never tire of, I promise. You may have noticed, however, it's the only short that doesn't have an audiobook. Because Lucy is so near and dear to my heart, I'm waiting instead until we have the resources necessary to produce it adequately. A girl similar in age to voice her rather than our very own Michelle Casanova, who's voiced children for us in the past. And has crushed it, by the way. Seriously. More than that, I want it someday to be live action, playing out in front of your eyes, not just your ears. A trend that would then hopefully continue among other stories we've done. No matter what happens, I'm forever grateful to have rediscovered my love for this art form, and to you for listening. This time next month comes another deep dive, don't miss it. Also, brand new tales return September 3rd, continuing every week thereafter. Until then, be kind, stay safe, and let your imagination run wild. This has been Inside the Short, we're out.